Thank you for listening to the fourth ever episode of the Missouri Sports Podcast, brought to you by 106 Apparel and recording from the Revel Advertising Studio in beautiful Springfield, Missouri. I'm one of your hosts, Cameron Albert, alongside my good friend and fellow Mizzou fan, Kyle DeVries. How are you doing today, Kyle? I'm doing great because football is very close. I'm a little excited. Sounds like you're excited. I'm so excited, and I'm so excited that I might actually watch Wyoming versus New Mexico State on Saturday, August 25th. Um, for those other nerds like me out there that want to scout Wyoming because they're a future Mizzou opponent, go ahead and uh, turn on your TV this Saturday because football is going to be on it. That's I didn't even realize there were games that soon. I thought... Yeah, there's four of them. A bunch of nobodies, kind of, but Wyoming is somewhat significant because we're playing them soon. But I was excited for a week from the day on Thursday, and now I might have to watch some football over the weekend. But... Yep. Uh, um, the, the hype is real. Everybody is getting excited. But um, the first thing I want everybody to do is actually pause this podcast right now. And I want you to go find the highlight tape of Mizzou versus Texas in the Texas Bowl. And I want you to marvel in Drew Locke's amazing throw to Jonathan Johnson. At the beginning of the second half, he throws a laser that basically passes over the shoulder of Jonathan Johnson, who's streaking down the field full speed. He doesn't break stride. It lands right in his hands. And it's just a pass that you just don't see made every day. And um, everybody just go watch that. And then your hype levels will be even higher than they were before you turn on this podcast. And don't watch the rest of the game. Just that play. Yeah, that would be preferable. We (laughs) we will forget the rest of that happen. Just uh, try to find the timestamp for that catch. Watch it. And then you'll be good to go. Um, this is just an exciting time all around, though, because basketball recruits uh, are in the news. Conzo is going to reel in all these guys. We're going to uh, we could talk for hours about how amazing the recruiting class is going to be. All the games Missouri is going to win this year. But we might take this episode as an opportunity to sort of temper some of those expectations, maybe bring everybody down to earth a little bit. Or we could go the other way and just have everybody board the hype train and we'll be the conductors. So we'll see how it goes. And then uh, make sure you stay till the end of this episode because uh, producer Cameron has a special game for us that we're really excited for. Um, We'll be doing a little bit of a a draft and it might not go how we expect uh, from any normal football draft. So uh, be sure to uh, stay till the end for that. A couple housekeeping items off the top here. Actually, just one main thing. Um, We have migrated our podcast host from SoundCloud to another Uh, podcast host. So um, that won't really change a whole lot. Uh, Some of you may have seen a change in the feed and how it's displayed on iTunes or Google Play. Um, That's still going to be the best way to download the podcast and listen to it. If you're listening to this on SoundCloud right now, you can still do that for the time being or actually for the foreseeable future, we'll still be uploading it to SoundCloud. You just won't get all of the backlog of episodes because um, SoundCloud unless you pay SoundCloud to host, um, you won't get to see every episode. You'll only get to see the most recent one. So if you prefer SoundCloud and want to listen to it there, that's totally fine. But if you want to always have that backlog to go to and uh, want to subscribe on iTunes or Google Play, and then hopefully here soon, Spotify, that's going to be the best way to get the show moving forward. And since we got that out of the way, let's jump into the news. Um, Kind of a personal news item for me, Kyle. This is a weird thing that happened. I was on Twitter and I saw one of the content creators that I follow. His name is Greg Miller. Um, Some Mizzou fans may have heard of him, especially the nerdy ones like me. They're into uh, video games and pop culture and stuff because he runs a video game YouTube channel. He worked at IGN for a long time. That's one of the most legendary uh, video game websites. And uh, he... Graduated from Mizzou uh, from the J school there, and uh, he is the voice of Mizzou on their latest promo video, trying to you know inspire people to attend the university and that sort of thing. So that was really cool. Um, I'm sure some of our listeners have heard of him with that Mizzou connection, and um, it's just funny when you see somebody that you know from a completely separate world of video games just come right into your world of sports like that i thought that was pretty cool it's a cool video too yeah i think it ought to i mean they're not having any trouble with um getting freshmen enrolled right now but stuff like that sure helps some uh, more sports news we've got official visits set for some big time basketball recruits ej liddell um the biggest among those he set an official official visit for missouri for september 8th 
that's the same weekend that football plays Wyoming. So he'll get to watch hopefully a Mizzou win on the football field. And uh, he's also visiting Ohio State. And I can't remember the others, but yeah, the others don't really matter. I don't think in this <laughs> right. case. I think it's a two-team race between Ohio State and Mizzou. And if he comes out of the, uh, out of Columbus uncommitted, I think that's probably a good thing. And hopefully we. I don't know. I don't know. I don't even know if I could say hopefully we close the deal, but I yeah. just because I think he he definitely could still take his his five official visits. But I think he's getting the, the two big ones out of the way early. Yeah. And I wouldn't be surprised to see him continue the process and take all of his visits. Mm-hmm. They, I know Ohio State has a guy coming in right after him. That's another power forward, four star power forward. So maybe some people are thinking that might give him some pressure to commit before leaving there. But uh the way his recruitment's gone, I see him taking all of his visits and taking all the time that he that he wants there. A really big weekend for um, recruiting is going to be September 22nd because Trey Jackson and Rocket Watts are both going to be on campus to watch the Georgia game. So if uh, the football team needed any more motivation to pull off an upset, that'd be that'd be a good one to get with those two in the house. Yeah, that's that's going to be a huge weekend um, just with football alone. But yeah, it's really exciting to get Trey Jackson and Rocket Watts on campus at the same time and at this point I think I'd be pretty surprised if Trey Jackson ended up somewhere other than Missouri and Rocket Watts only has three official visits scheduled including Missouri so looks like just I'm continually surprised by just seems like we are just in this race more than I could have ever imagined like a month ago yeah we kept waiting for this uh, Michigan connection to come through from Missouri and I think it's really starting to show with with Trey Jackson I there was a source that I read that said um, they think it's down to a two-team race between Missouri and Xavier. And then um, with Watts, it seems like Missouri and Florida State are the front runners there. So well, Xavier's got at least one other recruit, I think, um, committed in you know Trey Jackson's position. So it's looking like he may not even have room at Xavier even if he wanted to go there. So that's I just think he ends up at Missouri at this point. Yeah, with these three guys, I mean, when we made our um, 2019 predictions in episode one of this podcast, I, I felt like I, I was confident. I'm always confident in Conzo's ability to get the guys he wants, but still, it just it's surreal how likely it seems at this point. And even when we talked about those predictions and I predicted Trey Jackson and Rocket Watts and you predicted EJ Liddell and it's like... Even at the time when we said that, it still seemed kind of far fetched, but it's it's actually it actually is looking probable at this point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I definitely think that we get two of the three of those guys. Not sure which exact combination, but could be uh, an exciting next couple months in basketball recruiting for sure. Yeah, definitely. Um, another guy that Mizzou had been keeping tabs on actually trimmed uh, Missouri from his list. That's Malik Hall. We knew that uh, announcement was coming. Um, I didn't do too awful on my, my prediction for his final five, but it consists of uh, Michigan State, Purdue, Oregon, Oklahoma, and Texas. So, um, I mean, it wasn't surprising that he left Missouri off the list. We kind of talked about that in the last episode that we thought that was going to happen. But um, Texas and Oklahoma, I think, were kind of surprising to me a little bit more than the others. I think really Michigan State and, and Purdue are going to be the, the front runners for him. And then a last little bit of news here, um, kind of odd situation. Um, Blake Harris, who uh, transferred from Missouri to NC State last year, um, he actually played 14 games as a freshman at Missouri, and he's actually um, been granted a waiver for immediate eligibility at NC State. So usually in these situations, you have to sit out the first semester and then uh, return right before conference play, but he's going to get to play the entire season at NC State, which I thought was kind of odd. Yeah, I, to be completely honest, I have no idea how that happened. Um, but unless he qualified for some hardship that we're unaware of, I'm not, I really don't know how that happened. Yeah, I've always, that situation when a player transfers midseason and then has to sit out, I, it's always frustrated with me because you look at going back to like Jabari Brown transferring from Oregon and more recently Jordan Barnett transferring from Texas, those both of those guys just seems like they got the the short end of the stick really and missed out on some eligibility that I just seems like I don't really understand the reason for having to sit out the first semester but um, I really wish more guys got to just get immediate eligibility but um, 
it kind of stinks that it hasn't worked out for Missouri and now the guy transfers away and it works out for him. But mm-hmm. I still wish Blake the best at NC state. And I think he should be excited um, with Kevin Keats there, but uh, just weird how the NCAA rules seem so arbitrary sometimes. Well, the topic that I really want to get into today is a breakdown of Missouri's upcoming, upcoming football schedule. So um, we'll get right into that and uh, start it out with UT Martin, who they play on September 1st. So um, not this coming Saturday, but a week from then at 3 p.m. Um, in Columbia. UT Martin was 6-5 and five last year, um, but the only thing that really matters is they played one game against a Power 5 team. And that was a 45 to 23 loss at Ole Miss. So um, we're not really given our predictions yet, but I'm going to put that down as a W. I think Mizzou's going to pull that one out. Um, But as we saw last year against Missouri State, we uh, witnessed some defensive issues that we were not aware of, maybe, or had hoped were going to be better. And so basically we are not going to be able to tell how good this team is after this win, but we could definitely see some things that might alarm us for the season to come as we saw last year in the very first game. Yeah. Um, That Missouri state game, it seemed like, Oh wow, we're going to be able to throw passes to the sideline and our receivers are just going to run for touchdowns every time. And this, um, perimeter blocking is incredible and that's going to hold up throughout the whole season obviously the defense was so bad that we pretty much scored at will and the game was still close i mean it was i think i remember one particular play and i don't know at what point it was in the game where missouri state was like backed up in their own end zone and i was like okay finally this defense is stiffening up a little bit and they just throw like a 90 yard touchdown pass. Like it was just like a normal slant or something to, and then the wide receiver just like I shook like, a tackle and ran all the, the whole way. Yeah. I think it was like after a sack or something, it was like third and 17 or, yeah. or worse. And you're like, Oh yeah, we got to stop. And then yeah. no touchdown. And that was like, I think that, that was like the last draw for me in that game where I was just like, Oh my God, this defense is absolutely <laughs> horrible yeah. and something has to change. And that was kind of the, beginning of the end of DeMonte Cross. I, right. Well, I wouldn't say that's the beginning of the end of DeMonte right. Cross, but it point was... Point of no return, maybe. Yeah, I think so. Well, uh, hopefully we don't have any fireworks like that in this mm-hmm. first game. Um, I, I can't see this team scoring as much as Missouri State did last year. I mean, I'm thinking something like 48-17 to 17 because the offense shouldn't be scoring more than 50 because they shouldn't be first team shouldn't be on the field that long and the defense should not give up more than 20 points to this team yeah i do i kind of just hope drew lock comes in here takes care of business and plays the first half and hands it off to whoever else is whoever the next guy in line is whether it's michael wilson or or Lindsay scott jr who knows but um yes yeah, so i kind of hope all those guys get a little bit of playing time honestly yeah, that'd so. be great um and we'll just give our after we talk about each team we'll give our prediction so I'm going to put us both down on it as predicting a win. I'm good with that. Okay. Then uh, the very next week, September 8th at 6 p.m., we got a night game against Wyoming at home. Wyoming was 8-5 and last year, but, of course, they lost quarterback Josh Allen to the NFL. Um, And once again, they lost their only games against Power 5 teams. They had a 24-3 loss at Iowa and a 49-13 loss at home against Oregon. So it'll, we don't really know anything about Wyoming because they had an NFL quarterback last year and they don't this year. So I would hope that that's another win. But I guess that would be one that uh, if UT Martin puts up a fight, then watch out. Yeah, I still think Mizzou wins this game and hopefully they win it easily. But I, I think it's going to be a little bit more difficult than probably the casual fan realizes. Obviously, yeah, uh, they're they're losing Josh Allen, but I I think they've got a pretty decent defense, actually. So they might give our offense, I don't know, a little bit of trouble. But for the most part, this should be a pretty easy game to win. Drew Locke still might play the whole game. I don't know. But I I hope they just take it seriously and go in there and take care of business and don't overlook it like maybe they did with Purdue or something last year. Right, (laughs) yeah. I'm putting that one down as a 38-20 to victory for Mizzou. Sounds about right. 
Then uh, September 15th at 6.30 p.m., there's Purdue, and this time we play on the road. Um, of course, we remember last year, um, Missouri got absolutely dismantled by Purdue at home in Columbia, 35-3. to um, This is the second year for Jeff Brom um, at Purdue. He surprised everyone with a 7-5 and record last year. I think most people had them winning like five games at best. Um, they're consistent and fundamentally sound on offense, don't make a lot of mistakes, but... Uh, the defense, and they're bringing back most of that offense. The defense, they're basically having to replace everybody. They lost eight starters uh, from last last year's team, so i I don't think I don't think the defense is going to be um, for either team. I don't think the defense is going to be much to write home about in this one because I think we're looking at two pretty solid offenses going up against each other. Yeah, I'm sure a lot of people would agree with me, but last year watching this game, it might have been the worst experience I've ever had watching a Mizzou sporting event. <laughs> and I've watched a lot of Mizzou games and a lot of different sports, but I think this might be the first football game I ever just chose to turn off like before the game was over because I couldn't bear to watch another second of it. It was so horrible, and I thought that heads might roll right after that game was over, and... I'm kind of surprised that the season even turned around in the way it did just because that game was so absolutely horrible. And I, but, you know, looking back, I think Jeff Brom is a better coach than, than we realized. Purdue was a lot better team than we gave him credit for. Um, you know, they ended up having a pretty decent season. So I think this, this game this year is kind of a coin flip. I, I don't know who I think will win, to be completely honest. It's on the road. It's a good coach against a lot of returning starters on offense, like you said. Um, I th- I think Mizzou wins, but I, I really <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised if they lost. To be completely honest. No, like you said, it's a coin toss. And bringing back or going back to last year's game, I didn't actually watch that. Um, that was You're, the only consider game. Consider yourself lucky. <laughs> it was the only game last season that I didn't watch any of um, on TV. And uh, producer Cameron and I were actually uh, going to work out on that Saturday. It must have been a Saturday morning, and I remember saying, like, we got out of the car to go work out, and I was like, they're losing. Like, I can't remember. It was, like, probably 14-0 or something, 21-0, and I was like, well, I'm, I thought I would listen to it while we worked out, and I was like, nope, we're not doing that. Um, we'll we'll just see how it goes, and then we get back in the car after and hear the, the tail end of the game, and it's like, I can't believe that. And I was like, thank goodness I didn't watch that on TV. Yeah, I mean, I kind of tried to block this game out of my memory for the rest of my life, but it it definitely seemed like Purdue came out of the gates really strong, and Mizzou was just kind of like, oh my god, this team's actually like whipping us right now, and they kind of just gave up, I think, and just surrendered themselves probably not even halfway through the game. It was completely over. Yeah, this being at Purdue, I think it's it's going to be really tough. I would, I would be really happy if they pull it out. I'm going to predict... Because I like to be optimistic, a three-point Missouri win, thirty-four to thirty-one. And uh, for all the listeners out there, please don't take my um, score predictions. Don't <laughs> go like betting on these or anything because <laughs> I don't know what I'm talking about when it comes to these scores. Yeah, I'm just making stuff up. Uh, next game on the schedule is September twenty-second at home against Georgia, um, preseason ranked third in the country. Of course, last year they went thirteen and two. Uh, seven and one in the SEC. That was Kirby, Kirby Smart's second year with the team, and um, of course they lost a really memorable game to Alabama in the national championship. So uh, they didn't rest though. They bring in the number one overall recruiting class for 2018, and um, they're loaded at wide receiver. They've got a running back that's a good candidate for a breakout player um, in the SEC this year. His name's DeAndre Swift. Look out for him. And uh, the only decision left is if returning quarterback Jake Fromm is going to take the starting job from the number two overall recruit, uh, who's a quarterback that they brought in. So if they can get that figured out, this is going to be, again, I mean, even if they play both of them part of the season, it's going to be one of the best teams in the country. Yeah, it's kind of unbelievable the recruiting that George is doing right now. And um, I want to say that Mizzou, you know, puts up a good fight in this game. They get them at home, and I, I know Georgia lost a lot on defense, and I, maybe one of the best defenders in the country in uh, Rokon Smith. I was a big fan of his. I thought he was just an absolute game changer on defense, and I, so I know they lost some playmakers on defense, but 
man, they've got so much talent coming in. It's absolutely ridiculous. And so, it, you know, it's kind of like Alabama just reloads every year. I think Georgia has a pretty good opportunity to, to be just as good as they were last year. So um, I'm definitely going to pick Georgia in this game, even though I, I gave it a little thought. I know you wanted to pick the upset. To pick Mizzou. But I, I just, I don't know. Yeah, I think that would be such a fun game to win, just being at home and uh, top five team. If you're if you're looking for something that would make this Mizzou season really really special, it would be pulling off one of these upsets against Georgia or Alabama and getting Georgia at home just makes it that much more probable. But like you said, it, it's going to be really really tough ask of this team because. Even though they're probably going to take a slight step back on defense, I think um, everything that they're bringing back on offense and they're going to turn into sort of Alabama 2.0 with the running back situation. They're just going to keep bringing in five-star guys at running back and they're not going to skip a beat there. So I think Missouri might be able to score a little bit more than they did last year. And um, if Missouri's defense is improved, you know, they can keep stopping the run. But Georgia's passing game is going to be improved as well. And I think Missouri will lose by around 10 best case scenario. So I'm putting 31 41 um, for the loss there on that one. And we've touched on it a little bit um, on other episodes of the podcast, but I think if Drew Locke really wants to leave a legacy on this program, um, he's going to have to win a pretty big game um, in this season. And because, you know, we, he's put up the stats but he hasn't necessarily, you know, brought a lot of wins in his time here. So this is a great opportunity uh, to, to do that. I, I just don't see any chance that they beat Alabama later in the year, but I think that this is a game they could pull off. I don't think they do, but I, th- I wouldn't be absolutely shocked if Mizzou did pull off a win here. And that would be, I think that would definitely put Drew Locke in the memories of all Mizzou fans for the rest of time. If uh, if they could pull off a big win like that, right? I mean, not to harp on this too much, but just his stats are what they are. But when you look at previous quarterbacks, even Matty Mock, who he replaced, um, went to SEC championship game. James Franklin went to SEC championship game. Um, you know, even these quarterbacks that aren't going on to the NFL are you know playing in big legendary games for Missouri. So. Um, that would just be the next step in his sort of evolution as a Mizzou quarterback would be pulling off one of these wins. So we're definitely be hoping for that. Uh, next up is at South Carolina. That's on October 6th, the third year for Will, Will Muschamp as a head coach there. They were nine and four last year. They bring back pretty much everyone on offense, including Debo Samuel, who's one of the most electric players um, in the SEC when he's healthy. So uh, it's kind of amazing. They bring back 84% of their offense, um, but only 44% of their defense. So um, they kind of had a weird season last year where they got outgained yardage-wise and then still won games. That happened in the Mizzou game even. Um, that one, Mizzou jumped out to an early lead and then ended up losing 31-13 to uh, last year in Columbia, Missouri. So this time in Columbia, South Carolina, it's... It'll be interesting to see with them bringing back that offense that wasn't really that impressive last year, but they just pulled out games because of their timely turnovers and incredible special teams play. Yeah, they their special teams is great, and Debo Samuel is maybe the best player in the SEC or one of them. He's he's crazy, and I remember watching that game actually with you last year, the South Carolina game. Um, Got off to a really great start. We knew how important that game was for this season. I think, and I, I know Barry Odom knew how important that game was, and it's possible that he hyped it up so much to his players that they kind of just, I don't know, um, just kind of crumbled under the pressure of that game. And we started off really well and got like a 7-0 to or a 10-0 lead or something, and then Debo Samuel had that kickoff return, and, man, just like – like a drop of a hat that the entire momentum of the game changed and didn't return to Mizzou's favor the rest of the game. Right. I mean, I remember uh, Crockett had a run on the, along the far sideline. It was like a 13 or 17 yard gain or something that got into the red zone. And then they, I think that might've been right after South Carolina scored or something like that. We thought, okay, they got this, you know, this is going to be a good game. And then 
it basically just all unraveled. There was um, fumbles that got recovered in South Carolina territory and stuff like that. And it was just like, basically it, the offense kept moving the ball and then just collapsing basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I feel like there was two things back to back that happened. Like there was the, his, his Debo Samuels kickoff return. And, and then, then there was like an interception or something like yeah. right after that and South Carolina got the ball back or something. I just, for some reason I feel like that was just a monumental shift of, of momentum there. Yeah. It was real. it was a, a punch in the gut. If yeah. you want to use uh yeah, it was hard to watch, and uh, I, I still think that South Carolina is pretty good this year, this upcoming year. I know they lost Hayden Hurst, who was you know one of my favorite tight ends in the in the SEC, and I think he's actually going to make an impact for the uh, Baltimore Ravens in the NFL this year. So, so South Carolina loses a, a big weapon for sure, but um, I still think they're they're going to be tough, and I think they win this game. Uh, Mizzou's on the road, and um, I, I think South Carolina is kind of a dark horse in the SEC. I don't think that they're going to dethrone Georgia, but I guess I wouldn't be shocked if that happened. I think they're that good. So, um, yeah, that's going to be a tough game on the road for sure. So you're going with South Carolina over Mizzou on that one? I am. All right. So I'm going to kind of be contrarian here on some of the stuff that I've seen about South Carolina because um, I I don't see them as that in that fight for a second in the SEC East this year because – I think they just had some luck, honestly, in some of those really close games last year. And um, just like I said, in several games where they lost the time of possession battle, they lost the yardage battle and still pulled out wins. I just don't think that's very sustainable. Um, So I'm actually predicting for South Carolina as a whole, a little bit of a drop off this year um, back towards 500. Um, So with that being said, I'm going to predict... Missouri to win this game I think uh, I think they can pull this one off on the road and um, people listening to this right now are thinking that I'm predicting a, like 10 and 2 season or something but uh, that I'm going to put them in the SEC championship but um, the losses will come but uh, I, I think I think they can pull off the win on the road at South Carolina I hope you're right I definitely I definitely hope you're right I can I can definitely understand where you're coming from it seems like they did kind of just you know, right place at the right time last year. So I, you know, I, I could definitely see that as well. Yeah. That's one that I look back on and like Missouri should have won that. They could have and should have won that game. I mean, like turnovers and special teams mm-hmm. mistakes. It was unfortunate them. that we got them early in the season. Right. Um, next up is a game that I'm not looking forward to October 13th at Alabama. Um, nobody wants to play in Tuscaloosa, especially uh, a team coming off a national championship. Um, they've got a little bit of a quarterback controversy. I'm just going to say the guy's first name, Tua. <laughs> uh, he and Jalen Hurts uh, both played in the national championship. Uh, they subbed Jalen Hurts out at halftime and uh, went on to win the game. But regardless of what happens at quarterback, they've got four running backs that are better than pretty much every team's starter. So you can't go wrong there. And their O-line has more experience than last year. They're returning a lot of guys there. They lose Calvin Ridley at wide receiver, but they've got five-star guys that were freshmen last year that are going to be sophomores stepping into big roles. They uh, Actually, an interesting thing is they had some turnover at position coach because their coordinators and stuff could just get poached by every team looking to fill a job. And so they have um, Craig Kuligowski, formerly of Miami and Mizzou, um, Coach Cool uh, as their defensive line coach. Yeah, which is a little weird because there's been some some talk about Coach Cool uh, leaving Missouri in maybe not good terms, and there was some rumors about him kind of sharing some of the playbook maybe after his time here at Mizzou. And I don't want to perpetuate <laughs> some false rumors or anything, but I think that's pretty well known that that there was definitely some some friction there whenever he left and when he was here I loved him I you know I loved the the aggressiveness of those defensive ends and when we had some really talented legendary guys coming out of Mizzou and and, and Craig's time here but I was definitely sad to see him go for sure yeah I'm, I'm not really looking forward to really any aspect of that day especially that one yeah I mean Alabama they just reload every year and so um the last time Mizzou played Alabama was in the SEC championship game. They got housed. They lost 42 to 13. So the time before that was in Columbia. It was a similar score, 40 to 10 or something like that. So 
Yeah, they played in 2012, mm-hmm. which was the year that Mizzou had a ton of injuries and pretty rough transition over to the SEC and Alabama just I mean it was really rainy like there was not many people in this in the crowd because it was just pouring down rain and I think they maybe even had to delay the game for a little while and I think the only thing I remember was was it TJ Moe maybe had like a kickoff return for a touchdown or something I was like and that was like the only time we scored the whole game or something I don't know I probably shouldn't even they only scored 10 points so that may have been the only touchdown I don't know it was horrible I don't think I watched all of it I don't know oh I know I didn't I don't know Um, yeah, I'm going to go ahead and predict the loss for Missouri there. Um, Alabama will probably score at least 40 points. If Missouri can score 20 points, I'll be happy. Something like 40 to 20. Yep. Just get out of there. No injuries. Yes. Move on. Yeah. So I'm going to put, I'm putting you down as a loss for that one too. You're not predicting an upset. I am not predicting an upset (laughs) there. You can put me down for a loss. Okay. (laughs) Um, after that, we go for a homecoming back home in Columbia on October 20th against Memphis. Um, they've got a second-year head coach there, had a great season last year, went 10-3. and three. They've got a high-powered offense, and that kind of carried them last season. Um, they lost a really good quarterback, though, and so they've got two unproven guys kind of battling it out for the starting job. Uh, their defense returns a lot, but they're still really young, and like I said, they, the offense kind of carried them last year, so... The defense was nothing to write home about, but I think Memphis all season long is just going to see a lot of shootouts because they have a high-powered offense and their defense is going to be letting other teams score. So, Yeah, I think this might be a fairly difficult game. I don't know how good their quarterbacks are that they're going to have come in, and obviously that'll make a big difference, but I think there's a pretty good chance that Memphis is a better team than some of the SEC East teams that Mizzou will play later in the year. So um, I'm going to predict a Mizzou win, but I think it might be a bit of a bumpy road and hopefully we uh, just escape escape on top yeah i could see it being similar to a game uh, a couple years ago against middle tennessee where it was a home game against a team that's not in a power five conference so fans who didn't really do a whole lot of research thought it should be an easy win and then you get into a shootout and you never know really what happens i think it's going to be a very similar to game game to that i think even if Missouri's defense shows improvement. That's going to be the type of offense that will still put up points no matter what. Mm-hmm. And um, just hopefully Missouri can outscore them. And I think they will. I, I got them winning by a touchdown, something like 42 to 35. Mm-hmm. But it should be exciting and kind of a nail-biter. Yeah, it'll probably be a fun one to watch. And it, Mizzou really needs to win this game, though, because not, I mean, not only is Memphis you know a non-conference opponent that they should beat, but, I mean, they're coming off you know murderer's row here. I mean, they've got a game versus Georgia out, at South Carolina and then at Alabama, which are very possibly three losses in a row. And they have to recover against Memphis after after that stretch of, of schedule there. It's just going to be going to be awful those three games and hopefully they they don't go over three in those games but regardless they they need to uh to come back strong against memphis right and that'll be homecoming so it'll be a good crowd there um we might be there if they do uh, mizzou madness afterwards we went to the home game homecoming game last year and they had mizzou madness for the basketball team right after so that was really fun so if they do that we'll most likely be there and we, we definitely want to see a win after that, uh, we stay home uh, with Kentucky coming to town on October 27th. Kentucky uh, was 7-6 and six last year. They're coming, in, coming off back-to-back bowl appearances, which is something that Missouri cannot say. Um, they have Benny Snell, who is a, a running back that returns this year, and he's going to be kind of their workhorse, I think. Um, they'll have a new quarterback coming in, so he might kind of cover up some of the um, learning curve that that quarterback experiences. And then they return almost 90% of their defense, uh, the defensive contributions from last year, but um, that that defense wasn't anything special. They were ranked about 100th in the country, according to some of the metrics that I looked at. Um, but still, Missouri lost that, that game last year in Lexington, 40-35. to 35. Yeah, it was a really fun game last year. It was kind of... When one of those uh, those coming out parties for for Drew Locke and, and the offense, they the first first game that they really looked confident and you know they were battling it out with with Kentucky. So um, I remember that as even though we lost, it was kind of a an encouraging sign last year. But um, Benny Snell maybe 
the best running back Mizzou sees this summer. This summer. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. Uh, this season, um, he's really, really talented. But like you said, I'm not sure that there is much to be afraid of outside of Benny Snell. And their defense was not great. So, yeah, I think this is a fairly easy win for Mizzou this year, I hope. Um, I, we've kind of struggled with Kentucky in the past few years, and it's kind of frustrating uh, considering Kentucky's never been all that great. But mm-hmm. uh, we really need to put them away this year. Yeah, I'm predicting a win, mainly just because Missouri has shown lately. I mean, under Barry Odom, they've been a good run defense, run defense team um, for the most part. They've got guys up front, especially in the interior, that defensive line that can really stop the run and linebackers that can come up and do the same thing. So if a team and, and a lot of these SEC teams are going to be leaning heavily on the run. So I think that plays to Missouri's advantage. And then um, going up against a average to below average defense sounds good for the offense. So, yeah, I think they should win this by about 10 seven to ten points if i'm i just want to win at this point any of these games that i predict to win if it's by one point or 14 points i'll be happy then uh road trip to florida um, on november 3rd they've got a new coach over there dan mullen takes over he was at mississippi state for uh, nearly a decade and um, last year florida under McElwain, McElwain's last year, they were four and seven. And of course they have athletes all over the field. Um, the offense is just full of highly recruited players. And, um, basically if the question will be, if Dan Mullen can kind of fix some of their biggest weaknesses as far as turnovers and, um, giving up big plays on defense. And if he can get some consistently just average quarterback play and, um, pass protection, then, you could see a pretty good improvement from Florida this year, I think. Yeah, I think Dan Mullen's a really good coach, and I think he's going to be pretty successful there at Florida. I mean, Florida's just right in a recruiting hotbed, and they always have talent, especially on defense. Um, However, I don't think I'm buying uh, as quick as a turnaround as a lot of people are saying this year. I think that Florida's maybe getting some some name bias because of, of who they are. Um, but we saw an absolutely horrible Florida team last year come to Columbia. And I don't think that they're having a quarterback change or anything. Every quarterback right. they threw at us was awful last year. And, uh, so I know new, new coach and some new players, but I still think Mizzou wins this game. And even on the road, um, I just don't buy that Florida is going to be, yeah, top 25 team like a lot of people are predicting this year I just I don't think that a team that struggled as bad as they did at the end of the year last year is gonna make that big of a comeback or turn around yeah that's a good point I mean I I was looking back at some of the schedule or some of the times Missouri's played Florida in the last couple of years and it just seems like such a random game like the it doesn't really matter what happens the rest of the season when uh, Missouri plays Florida and it doesn't matter where the game is um, you could have these two teams combine for 30 points or combine for 60 points it just is very strange so I actually I, I think this the hire of Dan Mullen is a really good hire and I think potentially he could turn it around quite a bit this first year um, it'll basically come down to getting decent quarterback play though and I think if they can do that this is just a game that I think if if the season kind of goes how I've predicted so far um, Missouri would be coming off back-to-back wins against Memphis and Kentucky and kind of feeling good Um, so I think that Florida game could sneak up on them and and they might think about last year's victory a little too much so I'm going to predict a loss mainly just because it's on the road um, everything I'm seeing is showing that as kind of a toss up. So I'm predicting a three point loss for Missouri, uh, 27 to 24. From then we come back to Columbia for a, a matchup against Vanderbilt on November 10th. Vanderbilt was five and seven last year. They bring their quarterback back. They bring in a transfer running back from Illinois and they have a pretty good stable of receivers and, um, basically return a little over half of their team's production from both sides of the ball. Um, but neither side of the ball was very impressive last year. Missouri won last, um, last fall 
45 to 17 at Vanderbilt. So um, this is a game that I feel like Missouri should win fairly easily, especially with it being at home. But I wouldn't be surprised if Vanderbilt actually puts up a fight, especially with uh, a slightly improved offense. Yeah, I think it's kind of a make or break year for Derek Mason, uh, Vanderbilt's head coach. Um, if he can realize that there, you know, this might be his last shot um, and, and pump these guys up, maybe Vanderbilt's got a little spark in him. You know, Kyle Shermer is a returning quarterback who has a lot of experience, and I think he's, you know, a pretty underrated quarterback in the league. And um, like you said, I mean, they're they're kind of solid across the board, so they they've got a shot to to sneak up and beat a couple and beat a few teams but um ultimately I, Mizzou should should win this game and um I'm not too worried but as we know a lot can change during the season and um but at this point it it seems like Mizzou should definitely win that game yeah I think it should be a two score game at minimum um I just can't see Vanderbilt making that jump up to above 500 this year really even with an improved offense because at pretty much every year their defense has gone gotten a little bit worse so um let's let's say Vanderbilt goes five and seven again do you think Derek Mason's the head coach there after this season probably not but if you're Vanderbilt I mean if you he's basically what he's done in his career there is exactly what Vanderbilt has been the entire time that they've had a football team aside from um when James Franklin was their coach. Mm-hmm. So they had a high point when James Franklin was their coach. He left for a better job, and Mason's just done exactly what Vanderbilt has always done. So yeah, they'd, that's be good point. Of, they'd be in one of those situations where I don't know that they could get somebody better. They'd mm-hmm. just have to kind of take a, a risky shot at an up-and-coming coordinator or something and, and hope it sticks, I think. Yeah, their AD has shown that football is not a focus for that athletic department, which is kind of crazy considering the the revenue that you would think football could a good football team could bring in for the for the university but uh they're in nashville and they've got a lot of cool other things going on and they've just shown that they're gonna focus their their attention elsewhere in vanderbilt at vanderbilt yeah it seems like it would be you know the perfect situation nashville's a one of the biggest growing cities in the united states and um like everybody loves the titans there and you'd think that that would kind of spill over into uh, the college scene but it really hasn't so mm-hmm. i mean I, can, I don't think we can expect any coach to come in there and do much more than mason has with the resources that, that, that he's given another road game um, after the vanderbilt game uh, missouri goes on the road at tennessee um, that is on november 17th they're bringing in a new head coach. He was uh, formerly an assistant. He was the defensive coordinator at Florida State and then Alabama. His name is Jeremy Pruitt, and uh, he obviously comes from a defensive background. He's inheriting a team that went 4-8 and eight last year. They're still returning uh, 63% of what ended up being a bad injury-riddled offense. Um, so they've got two guys. Um, they've got really a decision to make it quarterback because um, the injuries kind of threw off their game plan there and it'll be interesting to see what they do but um, and basically what it comes down to with Tennessee is year after year they had highly rated recruits that just kept under underperforming so um, if he could do something with those um, good athletes maybe they can turn a few heads but they were so dysfunctional last year and so underwhelming I just don't see it happening yeah I think I agree with you and to be completely honest and transparent I kind of hope Tennessee is bad forever it's really hilarious and I I really don't like Tennessee at all I don't like their fans so if you guys if there's any Tennessee fans that are listening to this I apologize Uh, I'm probably gonna have some random person like uh, like say something about this, but I'm not actually sorry. Don't. I'm not really sorry. No, but yeah, I kind of hope you guys are bad forever. So, um, no offense, but it's kind of hilarious. Like what happened this off season with all the coaching madness that yeah. happened, and 
um, the Clay Travis led army of <laughs> of angry Tennessee fans, and um, it was unlike anything I have ever seen in my life. So um, seems like that was a really long time ago, but that was this off season. Yeah. Uh, so we're looking forward to uh, t- Tennessee making its debut with uh, Jeremy Pruitt. Yeah, Pruitt's a guy that comes from the Nick Saban mold of defensive coordinators, and um, doesn't sounds like he doesn't really get along with uh, some of his former uh, players and uh, other assistants that he coached with. So um, I don't know. We'll, we'll just have to see what happens with Tennessee. I tend to agree with you when when they were bringing in five-star recruits and then not performing year after year. And uh, Tennessee fans every year got excited about these five-star guys they were bringing in. They were like ranked in the top 25 preseason yep. polls like every single year yep. <laughs> and still and were bad every year. But I... I have to think that Jeremy Pruitt is still probably a better coach than Butch Jones. Probably. <laughs> but yeah. So I don't think Tennessee will, will be down forever, but I hope they are for at least a yeah, little while. I think they'll be down this year for sure. Yeah. I mean, the way that team fell apart at the end of last season, you can't come back from that in one off season. I mm-hmm. feel like. So I think, like you were saying about Memphis being more of a challenge than some of these SEC East teams, I think that's a good example of it because I think Missouri ought to be able to go on the road at Tennessee and, and beat them pretty easily. You want to put a, a W on that for Missouri? Yes, I'm going to. I think Mizzou wins that one by a couple of touchdowns for sure. Yeah, that sounds perfect. Then uh, last game of the season, as it has been the last few years, uh, we're going to finish it up with a game against Arkansas, this time at home in Columbia. That'll be on Friday, November 23rd, and that's the afternoon game on CBS. And uh, they've got an, a new coach as well, so new coaches all over the SEC um, this guy, he's, he came from SMU, and he's going to try to implement an up-tempo offense this season, which is a pretty big departure from the Brett Bielema offenses of years past. So I think Arkansas will at least be more fun to watch uh, moving forward. Um, they've got a two-man race for the quarterback job, um, but they've got all their wide receivers returning. And um, as far as a guy trying to switch an offense into a high tempo, more uh, pass friendly offense. Arkansas showed flashes last year that they were actually really good in passing downs, like third and long. They were completing long passes and were efficient there. So I think you're looking at a guy that wants to push the tempo and throw the ball around the field. I think he's got the tools to maybe make that work even in his first year. I think it's possible. Um, I think that they will struggle this year because they they were efficient at, at last year at times, but for the most part, they've Arkansas has got a team full of guys who are recruited to ground to you know pound it on the ground and be kind of a, a big bruiser kind of team. So um, I, I still think that it'll take a couple of years to get who he really the personnel he really wants in there. Um, so I, I think Arkansas will struggle this year. Um, that that game's always fairly close regardless of the seasons the teams have had i remember mizzou pulled off a win um at home against arkansas a couple seasons ago and i don't think anybody saw that coming so um i think it's been a pretty good rivalry i guess if you will um consider it that um it's always a fun game on on black friday and everything that i look forward to and i tend to think arkansas is always going to be a a pretty tough opponent but i think mizzou beats them this year yeah i agree i mean the the place that Arkansas will really struggle is on defense this year because they are not bringing much back on defense and who, the people they are bringing back weren't very productive last year. And this new head coach, he just is not overly concerned about coaching up the defense and, and uh, he's definitely an offensive specialist. So um, it'll be all on the defensive coordinator to make that work. And yeah, I, that one could be a little bit more of a shootout, kind of like the uh, Memphis game, but I see Missouri coming on top coming out on top in that one by 10 points or so it was pretty crazy last year when mizzou knocked out coaches of like three different teams like in a row last year it was like florida tennessee and arkansas i think in that order where their coaches were like fired right after the mizzou game i'm pretty sure uh Bielema was like fired on the field like yeah, after the game like he was, was fired so quickly after that game i mean he was given a a goodbye press conference like just a couple minutes after that game was over right it was really bizarre yeah that was a kind of a fun thing i mean like you don't if your team winning causes a head coach to be fired that's probably not the best thing for your team because that means they shouldn't have won but i mean if you're 
just trying to storm back from a abysmal start to your season. That's kind of a fun way to do it by knocking off these teams that had expectations and just kind of mm-hmm. uh, sending their coach off into the sunset. Mm-hmm. That that Tennessee game, we didn't even mention we were there for that one, and uh, we kind of saw the the meltdown of the Butch Jones era mm-hmm. finally come to an end. So great. We actually had a Tennessee fan behind us that was screaming her head off the whole time, and I wish I had paid more attention at the time I was trying to ignore her but she was yelling the quarterback's name that was not in the game (laughs) I can't remember exactly the situation but uh, they had been kind of bouncing around between two quarterbacks and she was cheering on so passionately and annoyingly this quarterback that was on the bench and if I had realized it at the time I definitely would have yelled something to the effect of she didn't know what she was talking about because that quarterback's not in the game. Yeah, she was quite obnoxious. Well, um, tallying up our wins and losses here, I honestly, I was looking at like eight wins at best, just like eyeballing the schedule before I kind of did a little breakdown of each team. And as I went going, I just couldn't help myself. But I, uh, I have Missouri finishing with nine wins this season, which would be an incredible season in my opinion and even without that marquee victory just racking up wins potentially getting to double digit wins with a a bowl win would just be a fantastic send-off for drew lock i don't think we can ask for too much more than that um even best case scenario so yeah we took a little bit different paths uh but we ended up with the same record i had them nine and three also um and i i almost had the same exact thought process that you did i i think if i would have just guessed before taking a closer look at the schedule, I'd probably have them eight and four, um, nine and three, probably the best case scenario. Uh, but yeah, kind of looking at the matchups going one by one is just like, well, I don't, I don't know if Mizzou loses this game. You know, I don't, I don't see him losing here. So, um, just so much experience coming back and it seems like Barry Odom's finally getting comfortable. Um, I, I think nine and three is very, very possible outcome. Yeah. I mean, that may be slightly optimistic, but if we're talking like absolute best case scenario, if they, I mean, if, if they only lose to Georgia and Alabama, those are the only, in my opinion, sure thing losses. Mm -hmm. But, uh, I mean, you could look at those as the only losses in general. Mm -hmm. I mean, if, if everything clicks and if those two games are close, then, they could they could potentially win the rest of their games. That would be really incredible mm-hmm. and very unlikely because you just drop games sometimes. Exactly, and there's so many storylines that happen throughout the year that just come out of nowhere, and there's injuries, and there's unseen drama in the locker room, and there's so many things that's, that could unfortunately go wrong as well. So, right. I mean, I guess I wouldn't be surprised if this team went like 6-6, six and six, you know? Like, I, I don't know which ones they'd lose, but it's always possible and that's what makes sports so fun is they we have to play the games and we have to see where how things actually unfold because there's so many things that are going to happen in the next three months that you know we could just never see coming yeah i mean a a six win season would not absolutely shock me i mean i wouldn't it wouldn't be completely blindsiding just Mm -hmm. because the defense has never proven itself against good competition really so mm-hmm. i mean if they ended up 500 that'd be pretty disappointing obviously but um not too incredibly shocking and yeah. then at the same time winning nine games that's mm-hmm. probably the top end of the likely scenarios but uh so let's talk about barry odom then if they go six and six is barry odom on the hot seat and i mean because I, I mean expectations are, are high this year like we've talked about and Seems like he's had it's a little a bit of time to, to get his guys in into the program. Um, he, I think he inherited maybe a kind of a worse situation than maybe we realized at the time. I think there was a lot of, you know, the, the, I think the locker room was pretty toxic and he just didn't have his personnel, but, um, and obviously with the staff also had some issues there. So um, he's had a little bit of time to recuperate from that. So what do you, what yeah, do you think I, is... I, a, Put them on the hot seat. a six and six season would do it, but it would also depend on how that kind of unfolded. If if Derek Dooley comes in and it's just not working, the, the changes that he's trying to make are not working. The offense regresses considerably, and the defense looks good. Um, 
whether they stick it out with Dooley or not, that would be an excuse, basically, or a reason that you could justify a turn down from last year. So if the offense really regressed and the defense looked really good, then that would be his best shot at withstanding. Yeah, maybe uh, us putting the blame on Dooley instead of him. Right. And Or even if we didn't blame Dooley as much as just, you know, chalked it up to a transition year. You know, we can't do anything about a really good offensive coordinator getting a, a better job. But um, that would also come back on Barry Odom because there's a lot of people right from the beginning that are um, questioning the Dooley hire. So he wouldn't be able to escape it completely with that outcome. But um, if the defense was impressive all season, even if they had a, a slightly worse record, I think he could withstand it. All right, so we have a little treat for everyone. Maybe more of a treat for Kyle and I than anybody else um, because we're weirdos who like to do um, drafts. I know everybody likes to do drafts, but uh, producer Cameron has a has a game for us, so I'll just let him explain. So last week you boys went through and analyzed the roster, um, and this week we are going to play a little game based on the classic NFL street video game Mizzou Street so for those of you not familiar in NFL Street you pick your players to fill a seven man roster Um, the part that makes it interesting though is that players play both sides of the ball for the whole game Um, after these two gentlemen have their teams we want you folks following along to help us decide who's got the better team so you've both done your research made your big boards and now we're going to do the snake draft style starting with a coin toss to determine who goes first. So if we win the toss, you you get to pick first or defer. Okay. Yeah. Oh. So who's going to call it? Um Kyle, you call it. Okay. Tails. I almost lost it the heads. It's heads. Ooh. Oh my gosh, that puts a lot of pressure on me. <laughs> <laughs> um <clears throat> I have a strategy that I think Kyle might also have. So I think I just need to take the guy. I think I, I need to take the first pick and just take the guy that's on the top of my big board. Let me think about it. <laughs> I don't, so much suspense. I don't, I don't want Kyle to take him. All right. I, I'm going to take the first pick. And I'm going to choose Micah Wilson. Okay. Sounds like we had similar strategies. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, keep in mind that these players are playing both ways, like Cameron, producer Cameron said. So, obviously, like it would seem like it would be an easy pick just to pick Drew Locke, but Drew Locke's got to play defense, so that's that's why that pick makes sense. So, yeah, I'm, I'm lining up Michael Wilson out as a defensive back, probably, taking, okay. taking advantage of his speed on the outside. So, so, since Cameron's got his quarterback, I can wait a while on mine, so I'm going to pick uh, Terry Beckner Jr. for my pick. And then, Kyle, you're going to get the next pick as well. Okay. Uh, for my next pick, I'm going to take Cam Hilton uh, because uh, his freshman year he played wide receiver and he played really well. And obviously he plays uh, defensive back now. So he's shown that he can play both ways at the collegiate level. That is a very good pick. He is high on my board as well. I don't know why I thought you wouldn't know what you were doing, <laughs> but I kind of <laughs> hope you would overlook some of these guys. <laughs> Um, okay, okay, okay. So I get back-to-back picks now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. All right. I, for my second pick, I'm going to select Jonathan Johnson. I think he is the perfect athlete to be my number one wide receiver and maybe take some jet sweeps. And I think he could be a decent cover corner as well. Then for my third pick, I am going to, I'm going to take Albert Okwebenam with my third pick. So all offense for me so far. Where's Albert O going to play on defense? He might be, I'm I'm not going to tell you yet. Okay. I don't know. Sounds good. (laughs) Sounds good. You have that right. For my next pick. So I've taken Terry Beckner Jr. He's going to play offensive line and defensive line. I've taken Cam Hilton. He's going to play wide receiver and DB. 
Um, so I still need a quarterback and a running back. I'm going to pick Demaria Crockett. Demarie, I said that weird. Just, um, so he's obviously going to play running back. And I'll probably have him at linebacker. And for my next pick, I'm going to keep bolstering my the trenches, and I'm going to pick Jordan Elliott. Okay. All right. I need some help on defense. I've got Michael Wilson, Jonathan Johnson, Albert O. So for some help on defense, I'm going to choose Ron L. Perkins. And he will give me some flexibility. I can play him at safety or linebacker. And my next pick, I'm going to go with Trey Williams. Mm. All right. So I still have a wide receiver to pick, a quarterback, and then someone who's going to play D-line and O-line. I'm going to pick Emmanuel Hall. And he's going to play, obviously, wide receiver and DB. Jonathan Johnson will expose him. (laughs) (laughs) That'd be actually a really interesting matchup to watch. Because I doubt either one of them would be able to cover the other one. Mm -mm. Because obviously they're not defensive players. Maybe I'll put Michael Wilson on him. (laughs) So I've picked five people? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's your pick. Okay. All right, I'm going to finish... Yeah, I still need someone to play on the O-line that can play defensive line or a linebacker. And I think this pick might surprise some people. Um, but I think it's a guy who's going to have a potentially good year and maybe in a great career at Mizzou. I'm going to pick Nick Bolton. He's a true freshman. And he's like 245 pounds. And Barry Odom has absolutely raved about him and that he will play quality snaps this year. Coming out of nowhere. So, yeah, that pick might not be, may not help me in the votes from the fans, <laughs> but if I'm genuinely wanting to pick the best team, I think that's a decent pick. So, I'm finishing my team off here. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. So, I'm going to uh, take an easy pick real quick and take Larry Roundtree because I still need a running back. And then I'm basically going to forego any competent pass protection. Actually, I'm going to take a Kale Byers with my last pick. I think he could protect a little bit, and I think I need a a bigger body on the front line there. That makes sense. And then for my last pick... Wait, are you done? Yeah. Okay, yeah, for my last pick, I still need a quarterback. So I'm going to pick Lindsey Scott Jr., who obviously is going to play quarterback, and... Uh, we'll play either linebacker or the, or this probably the the last DB spot I have. So because he's been putting up video game numbers and pretty much anywhere he's been besides Mizzou, so I think he could do a pretty good job in like a seven on seven style of play. Drew Lock out. Yeah, Drew Lock. He's that I, kid standing he, on the playground still he would waiting. Be for... An absolute liability <laughs> on defense. I think. No offense, Drew. If, if, but if I, he's actually in the video game, though. I mean, having played, having dabbled in NFL Street uh, in my day, <laughs> you you end up with a quarterback. Mm-hmm. I mean, right? I mean, basically, how it would go is if Michael Vick is on the pickup game, <laughs> yeah, pretty much. If he's available, usually my friends and I would just say, "Okay, start over." It's not fair if somebody has Michael Vick and nobody mm-hmm. else does, so, and somebody else doesn't. So. And Lindsey Scott Jr. is as close as we got to Michael Vick, so... Um, I, yeah, you know, yeah, Michael Wilson is as close to as we have to Michael Vick, I agree. So, I, I feel pretty good at the quarterback position. Obviously, my team is going to be running a lot of mm-hmm. options, a lot of jet sweep, fake jet sweep, handed off to Roundtree, a double reverse with... Or a handoff to Roundtree that's a toss to Jonathan Johnson, who passes to Michael Wilson. I mean, <laughs> you're, you're never going to see... And anything I'm, like that. And this. I've got Terry Wagner Jr. and uh, Jordan Elliott who are going to say otherwise. Well, that, that's a good point. I don't have much uh, pass protection or blocking whatsoever, but uh, I don't know. I think I think we'll just... Deception. Yeah. And they, they won't know who to tackle. They'll have some speed, yeah. no doubt. Well, we'll, uh, we'll compile these lists and then uh, tweet them out. 
And since I'm a huge nerd and I do really dumb stuff and waste my time, I might create these teams in NFL Street <laughs> on PlayStation please, 2 and please see what do. happens. So, Will you guys give a rundown real quick of who you guys got? Yeah, go ahead, Cameron. So in order, in the order that I drafted, um, with the first overall pick, I took Michael Wilson. Then I had Jonathan Johnson, Albert O, Ron L. Perkins, Trey Williams, Larry Roundtree, and Ekeo Byers. And I had Terry Beckner playing D-line, O-line, Kim Hilton, DB and wide receiver, Crockett, wide receiver, I mean, uh, excuse me, running back, and probably linebacker, Manuel Hall, wide receiver and DB, Jordan Elliott, D-line, O-line, Nick Bolton, D-line, O-line, and Lindsey Scott Jr., quarterback and linebacker, or DB. Yeah, you got a lot of size. I think I got you beat on speed, so yeah, I don't know. We'll see what the people think. Yeah, so we need to actually make this happen somehow. So if anybody knows these players, call them, tell, up. Call them up and tell them we're doing this because <laughs> so, I really need an answer and who would actually win here. <laughs> and on that note, that's all I have for us for this week. Um, we'll be right back next week. We're going to preview UT Martin a little bit, build the hype up for that. So that'll be exciting. Yep, and you can find this podcast on the SoundCloud link that I'm going to put on our Twitter, Mizzou Sports One. And you can also find us on iTunes and Google Play. If you enjoy the podcast, give us a subscription, and I will really appreciate it. And um, we, just, we love uh, hearing what you guys have to say about the podcast, so don't hesitate to reach out with your questions or any uh, topics you want us to talk about. And I, uh, I talked about it up front, but um, with, with those few changes to the, to the podcast where you can find us, um, be sure if there's a specific um, podcast app or something that you use all the time and we're not on there yet, let us know um, in the in the replies to the to the main tweet. Um, I know you might listen to it on SoundCloud, but prefer something else. So let us know and we'll do our best to try to get on there. Um, and you can tweet at me at C underscore Albert 08. And um, we definitely want to hear what you guys think about our uh, seven on seven draft. But we'll put a poll up for that and um, just let us know what you think who would win that matchup if it happened in real life or in a digital video game. So uh, I guess on that note, we'll see you next week.